you can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside, repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Going in raw is now a CastBox original. CastBox is the fastest growing, highest rated podcast app on both iOS and Android, where you can find all your favorite podcasts. You can still listen to Going In Raw wherever you get your podcasts, but we hope you'll give CastBox a shot. We think it's the best. Hey, Fendo, Steve here. And Larson, welcome to Going In Raw. Can I try to start the show? I'll drink some water. I'm sorry, you? I didn't. I, I hit oh, it and then I noticed you were doing ooh, that. Steve, they got your ooh, swishing. Ooh, yeah. ooh. Anyways, welcome to the show. Uh, this is the only uh, top 10 countdown list type show. Here. Right here. Right here. Do I do the intro or do you do the intro? It's, it's kind of your thing, man. Yeah. So why are you interrupting me? Oh, I'm YouTube.com forward slash Stephen Larson. Trying to be your hype, man. Jeez. Um, uh, we're also available Patreon, Pro Wrestling Tees, and at friendomarket.com. Oh, Steve, very cue the graphic. Exciting, very exciting. Um, our new uh, merch store. Mm-hmm. You can get the uh, Going and Slay Us pack, which includes a t shirt. A great T-shirt designed by Steve. Thank you. High-quality cotton T-shirt, high-quality oh, sure. silkscreen printing. Um, you get three stickers, one of Going In Raw logo, yeah. one of the uh, Going In Slayest image without our, uh, the show name, and then also a, uh, a, a Slow Wolf Pack sh- uh, sticker. Yeah, man. That's the one found on the Hey, You're Not Me hey. shirt. Got some prints up there, too. More stuff will be uh, coming up there eventually too oh yeah, yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. look man this is going to be a regular thing this is our new merch store it's going to be a regular thing it's 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 a real thing that this this is something i want to do and something uh, you can do something i can do we can do <laughs> and uh i, I want to make a dollar and a cent off this merch store Sounds great good. deal right now i don't know if you mentioned it sale for the first week 25 dollars for this going in slayest pack uh like you said the shirt the shirt is special it's got a design that I made of our skulls, and they're in silk screen, so it's nice, bright, popping image. Not like the 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 direct to garment sort of iron on type thing that you might see elsewhere. This is a high quality shirt, and it's best value. Three stickers and a sign postcard. Yeah, yeah, great stuff. Anyways, yes, good t- stuff. Today we're talking about free agent signings. Of course, it's N- NBA free agent time. The most fascinating time of the entire uh, NBA season. LeBron James is now a Laker. DeMarcus Cousins is now a Warrior. Paul George is still a Thunder. Black is white and white is black. Paul George is still a Thunder. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so uh, we figured because, look, we love that kind of stuff. And we thought, hey, you know what? How can we how can we translate that in the world of wrestling? Well, there's all sorts of free agent signings in the history of wrestling. Oh, yeah. So we're going to, in the other video that is also up right now, we go over the best ones. This is the more fun version. We're going to talk about the 10 worst free agent signings in wrestling history. Let's get right into this. Number 10, 10. of course, Lex Luger. Oh, look at the Lex Express there, Larson. See, that's, that's like a, a huge perk of signing with WWF at the time is he got his own bus. That's great. Who's he on the phone with right there? I feel like it's Vince or one of the producers. No, he's, he's talking to Sting there. No, he's asking, how long do you need me to be in this bus? And when can when I do get I, off? When do, I, when do I catch my flight back home? And Vince says, in six more months, Lex. Taking this bus around the nation. 
<laughs> he looks so lonely and bored there. I know, at least he's got a TV on the bus. <laughs> so anyways, an interesting, work. an interesting little tidbit about Lex Luger's time at WWF. When he signed with, with a contract with Vince McMahon, it was not to wrestle. It was to be a bodybuilder. Not even that. It was to be a commentator on the bodybuilding <laughs> show. WBF. Yeah. Yeah, he was going to be a co-host of the Saturday morning program. WBF Body Stars. So oh, he left God. WCW where he wrestled mm-hmm. and by all accounts was fairly successful. He was pretty popular there, man. To go to WW, not WWF, WBF, WBF yeah. and talk. Yeah. Was talking everyone to Lex Luger's strong points. No. Anyways, no. he got a motorcycle accident. Uh, well, hold on. Do what? you count volume? No. Okay. No. Decibels don't count? No. Then no. He was, this he means you're, you're, you're in, in theory easy to hear anyways. <laughs> um, so he, he was hired to do that. To be on air. However, um, he got in a motorcycle accident. Oh, that was is sad. Hurt, and by the time he recuperated, WBF was no more. <laughs> so he was instead he still got paid for it. Though. I would hope so. So instead, they said, "All right, well, he's on a contract. You might as well have him wrestle." Yeah, pretty much. Um, and so he debuted um, with Bobby Heenan as the narcissist mm-hmm. Lex Luger. Mm-hmm. That didn't go over very well. No, it really didn't. So after, he would just like smile and look in the mirror. Yeah, they bring out a huge mirror and he'd just do this. <laughs> so after Hogan left, uh, they turned him face, made him all American, mm-hmm. put him aboard the Lex Express, mm-hmm. toured the country. Yeah. Um, and then his crowning achievement was body slamming Yokozuna on the on the deck of a, of a, a, a war vessel. Yeah. <laughs> right. And beating Yokozuna via count out at SummerSlam. Yeah, 93, yeah. 93, and he was hoisted up. As if he his, had actually won something. As if he had actually won something, but he never won the WWF title. So weird. No. And um, then at the following WrestleMania, uh, well, that following Rumble, sorry, he and Bret Hart both somehow both won the Rumble. Yeah. He had to take on Yokozuna first at the subsequent WrestleMania, lost. Um, Bret Hart beat Yokozuna, and that seemed to be the end of, of Lex Luger's push in the WWF. Yeah. And then he showed up a couple years later in a puffy shirt at the very first Nitro Mall of America. The Mall of America, yeah. Just kind of watered upon it, it seemed like. <laughs> uh, he was just getting out of Sears. He didn't even wait to get home to put on his new puffy shirt from Sears. No, no, he tried in the, in the dressing room. It looks so good. He's like, I'm just, it's okay if I wear this home? He goes, he just gives the the tag yeah. to the, Bring the, me the up, cashier. Please. I'm gonna wear this home. Yeah, he's, and but you know, on, he's like, I'm gonna get some Sbarros first. That so strong bully sounds great right now. <laughs> it does. And then he looked and he's like, Oh look, they got a little wrestling thing going on. I'll go check that out. Oh, <laughs> I know this guy. I know this guy. Sting. He's my friend. <laughs> so yeah, Lex Luger. And then he didn't. He was just what. It was just. Wasteful spending. Although, from what I understand, like they didn't really pay him that much. Didn't they lowball him? <laughs> they brought him back. <laughs> That's what we read. That's what Bischoff said. Yeah. Well, it's Bischoff. Who knows? Yeah, I don't know. But yeah. Anyways, number nine. We can go on and on about like. Yeah. Later, but I kind of feel bad now. Number. How many of these people? Are, how many of these people on this list are going to be at Starcast? <laughs> oh, I don't know. I like Lex. <laughs> I love Lex Luger. He's he's on our wall. Give yeah. me a break. So yeah. Put him there. Is he a going in Raw Hall of Famer? I don't remember. I keep on pushing, right? You keep on saying no. I might be convinced this year. There you go. We'll do. We'll have the ceremony at Starcast. Number nine. Nine. The Sandman. Remember <laughs> when like he, he's falling here? Remember when he was a surfer? Yeah. Yeah. 
the most fascinating some of the most some of the most fascinating stuff on the WWE network is Eastern Championship wrestling. The very early Eastern Championship wrestling before it became yeah. Extreme Championship Extreme, wrestling. Yeah, yes. and he was a surfer guy. Yeah. So anyways, yeah, one of the ECW true originals cuz he was a surfer guy first. Um and uh of course, you know, he became the sort of proto Austin guy who would come out and like drink beer. Yeah, he'd smoke cigarettes too. Smoke cigarettes and like hit people with canes. There was that one, wasn't there an ECW when he, he like he was about to give this dude some beer and he said, How old are you? Yeah, that was the one the show in LA. Oh, okay, that's right, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, I'm twenty one. He's like, here you go. Yeah. Um, so that was good. Yeah. Smart guy. He's yeah. I think he's probably like for as as interesting as he comes off, he's I think he's like a fairly smart guy, you know? Because he never like it was it was funny. He was never like the I don't remember him ever like I don't remember any of his promos to be honest with you. They all seem to the point, I think, mm-hmm. you know, so you never know a guy who like goes around crushing beer cans against his head. But I like that he stopped and he said, how old are you? Yeah, no. You know, well, it's a liability issue for ECW. Well, yeah, but you know, you think Sabu would have done that? <laughs> no. <laughs> Not at all. Anyways, uh, Sam, man, he was a highly decorated wrestler in ECW, won the championship several times, involved some classic feuds. Uh, including one with Raven. Mm-hmm. That was enough to convince Kurt Angle never to join ECW. Yeah. Um, however, September 1998, that WCW money was calling. Ooh, he yeah. left ECW and joined WCW, uh, signing a three-year deal that Dave Meltzer reported was worth $200,000 a year. That seems low. I know. Right? It does. That seems low. Yeah. I mean, he had fewer dates and everything, but still, it wasn't like... I mean, the big names You think were... he'd have fewer dates in ECW? Oh, no, 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 I was thinking WWF now. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, everybody always said they had an easier schedule than oh, w- yeah. WWE. Yeah, yeah. Well, like, I mean, yeah, I don't think they had to wrestle w. 250 days a year. Yeah. Um, and then uh, apparently, I don't really remember this, but according to Wikipedia, apparently he was, he, the, they ran some vignettes um, where they were, had Raven as some spoiled rich kid and uh, Sandman as his preppy neighbor. Do you remember that? In WCW? Yeah. I also remember him showing up randomly one day as Hardcore Hack. <laughs> I'm like, what the heck is, is Sandman doing here? That's And so... then he lost the match and someone shouted at him, maybe next time, Sandman. Maybe next time, Sandman. That sounds vaguely familiar, but I don't remember, to be honest with you. Yeah, I don't remember either. Anyways, he lasted a whole year in WCW. Yeah. Now, hopefully, but... I hope that contract was guaranteed, so he got paid regardless. Yeah, I hope so too. But still, two hundred thousand. I mean, just g- compared to like what we knew, other people were making, two hundred thousand seems like you know, not a lot. No. So I mean, but hey, if he if the dude knows how to live, you know, not extravagantly, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. then good for him. Yeah, then two hundred thousand is decent money for him. It was a good one. I just remember being kind of excited that he was going to WCW, and uh, oh, I knew that was a, a a dead end for him. Yeah, he wasn't I gonna know. go. Any, he wasn't gonna go anywhere beyond like the hardcore division. When they called, yeah, when they called him Hack, I was like, "What? He's like a writer who steals." Yeah, I don't know. Hack. I don't Apparently, know that, that was means. a nickname. This was a nickname of his. Yeah, but still, I don't know what it means. Anyways, Anyways yeah, he went back to ECW, mm-hmm. and then he wrestled uh, at XPW, mm-hmm. and then eventually made his way to WWE for a little bit. Mm-hmm. In their ECW reboot, I thought. What was the story about? Ah, never mind. I don't remember any of it now. Them being on the road. Was it? I think maybe it was a Tommy Dream or something. It was. Cold. It was. It was. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, when they're on the road. And who was it that, like, OD'd? I think it was Sandman. Was it Sandman? And they had to, like, go and get him fixed. And he was fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Anyways. Number eight. Eight. Steve Williams. Dr. Death. Not Steve Austin. Steve no. Steve Williams. No. We've, we've 
I think we talked, uh, we mentioned something about trying to do some retrospective on Brawl, Brawl for All. Brawl, heck it yeah, seems like man. a fascinating oh, uh, story about the development of that whole thing. Um, so anyways, in 1998, Dr. Death Steve Williams was brought into WWE uh, primarily to win Brawl for All. The problem is it was not a worked competition. It was supposed to be a shoot. Yeah, But they thought idea. since he was like a, a, a noted wrestling tough guy yeah. um, that he would win. And maybe Vince saw that he hadn't been pinned in a year mm-hmm. and thought, he must be a tough guy. Oh. Maybe he was a tough guy. I don't know. Yeah, he probably Anyways, was. Anyways, um, he got knocked out by Bart Gunn the second round, though. Oh, yeah. And then he, like, hurt his leg. I think he tore his quad or his hamstring, so he's out of action for a while. But apparently, he was going to be groomed as a challenger to Stone Cold at some point. Yeah, you know, they, uh, yeah, yeah. And apparently, according to an interview with him, uh, he was that spot that Triple H got. When he turned on DX, yeah, that was going to be Doctor Death's storyline. I mean, not, not he was going to turn on DX, not turning on DX, but that spot. Oh, so I guess that would have led to would he would have been in the in the four corners match in the main event of WrestleMania 2000. I find that difficult to believe. Yeah, I don't know. But I don't anyways. remember any of his promos. No, oh, I know. Well, I think Jr. Uh, was yeah. managing him, doing his talking yeah. for him, but. Uh, <clears throat> So it must have been April 99. So do you remember? He was released because he was still rehabbing his injury and didn't want to go uh, take part in a talent sharing thing. Remember when uh, British Bulldog came back to WWE in Mm -hmm. 98, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And again, whenever somebody came in or debuted or returned, they would sort of put him in a main event type spot Mm -hmm. and then like bring him back down to earth. Yeah. It wouldn't surprise me if maybe that's what they had planned for Steve Williams. Like, hey, if we need a guy in between Mankind, Undertaker, Triple H to sort of have a two-month run, like a transitional feud yeah, yeah. with Austin. Not any of the major pay-per-views, just like a in-your-house type deal. Yeah, yeah. maybe that would have been Steve Williams. Maybe. That would that would not surprise me. but Because uh, they did the same kind of thing with Davey Boy. Like, he came in, he was, like, really tops, and then for, like, a month, and then mm-hmm. they brought him back down to earth because mm-hmm. it's British Bulldog. Um, that wouldn't surprise me. It would really surprise me if they thought he was going to be main event at WrestleMania. Yeah. Anyways, moving on. Number seven. Seven. Original Sin Cara. Mystico. Mystico Sin Cara, not the current Sin, Sin Cara who's Hunico. Yeah. 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 Mis- this is the first Mystico. Yeah, Mystico is apparently a massive star in Mexico. Yeah. Um, at one point, arguably, probably the top star in the entire country. Yeah. Um, and I guess as far back as 2007, uh, WWE was uh, uh, sending Mystico, um, or at least feelers, out uh, to sign him yeah. and it took four years of wooing to make it happen because it wasn't until January of 2011 that uh, Super Luchas magazine um, said that Mystico signed a contract with WWE mm. and then the following February WWE held a press conference in Mexico City to introduce Sin Cara mm-hmm. um, and then he finally made his uh, television debut April 4th um, uh, I don't remember this at all. I remember the vignettes they ran leading up to his, his yeah, debut. Yeah, I kind of remember those. Um, but apparently he made the save on Daniel Bryan after uh, Sheamus was trying to beat him up. Hmm. And then he was uh, he didn't stick around the company very long, like three no. years. And then he got hurt and was replaced by Hunico, I think. And then they had the Sin Cara versus Sin Cara thing, didn't they? Yeah, that's right, yeah. Sin Cara Negro versus Sin Cara... It was blue still, right? Azul? Yeah, but yeah. Azul. Yeah, yeah. blue. Um, but he stuck around till January 2014 when I guess he said he wasn't going to go back. 
but it wasn't. There was that weird thing where he said that he he thought he owned the Sin Cara character. No, he doesn't. Not WWE. He doesn't. He doesn't. Uh, apparently, also in an interview, he said that he blamed WWE for not allowing him to wrestle the style he used in Mexico, which could explain why his matches were so botchy. Yeah. Because Between that, maybe he's, you know, what he was comfortable doing, not his opponents weren't. Yeah. I don't know. And also, he had, like, he had to wrestle, like, with no lights on or something. So you can see through his mask, yeah. <laughs> like, they had to bring out all the lights. So it's like his, his opponent's like, it's like that uh, Jake Roberts. Oh, yeah, the, uh, the, the blindfold match yeah, or a match. Martel yeah. match. Yeah, exactly. So anyways, on uh, March 26, 2014, he was <clears throat> released mm-hmm. from WWE. Yeah, but. Um, but Sin Cara lives on. Sin Cara lives on in the form of Hunico. Hunico, I believe. He's <laughs> now uh, injured, um, though he was slated to be involved in a feud against El Idolo. So, like, I think, isn't Sin Cara, like, the character still, like, popular? He sold a ton of merch. That was my yeah. understanding. That's why they kept the character around. Yeah. And whenever they go to, like, Mexico and, you know, South American tours and stuff, I think that he's still, people still like him there, you know? They keep him around for that, maybe. So, hey, if the dude's bringing in money, then mm-hmm. there you go. It's a shame. I was actually really looking forward to that Almas match. I know, me too. Almas and Cara, because, like, you know, they're coming up in the same style. They probably did actually know each other for a very long yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That could have been, like, a breakout thing for Sincara, maybe, I know, you know? Because every once in a while, they'll sort of, he'll show up and they'll push him a little bit. Yeah, remember that that kind of short-lived push he had against uh, Baron Corbin where he yeah. won by count-out and stuff? He won, like, eight matches against Baron Corbin. It was weird. Anyways. No, what are you looking up? Oh, just trying to see if there was anything in his Wikipedia entry about Almas beyond SmackDown. Oh, right, 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 right. Can't find anything. Number six. Six. Scott Steiner. Oh, that's a great picture. So, of course, back in 2002 or whatever Yeah, it was, late 2002. When uh, after WWE, you know, he was, Scott Steiner was one of the guys who in WCW, he was, I mean, look, dude, he was, for better or worse, he was a standout character there, you know. Uh, and of course, after his uh, uh, contract with Time Warner, after WWF bought WCW, uh, ran out and he was paid all that money, obviously, you know, and having his own history as part of the Steiner Brothers in WWF before, um, everybody was wondering, well, is Big Papa Pump going to show up in WWE? Well, uh, yes, he did in 2003, I think, was it? Or was it actually 2000? Oh, no, 2002. 2002. So late 2002. Okay. Um, uh, so yeah, in October 2002, after an eight-year absence of Survivor Series, uh, he attacked Matt Hardy and Christopher Nowinski after they delivered a promo insulting New York City, establishing him as a face, which is a terrible idea in the first place. Uh, he just had a real lot of bad matches. He well, was he dealing only had with footage. Yeah, he only had one good foot. Yeah, he had one good foot. He had better matches like years later in TNA. Um, we got his foot fixed. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Got a new foot. <laughs> he had drop foot. He had drop foot. There's that gif out there of him, I think, fighting Christian. Trying to jump off the Trying apron, yeah. The apron. He just kind of falls off. <laughs> he kind of falls off. But, man, like, I mean, here's, okay, so here's the thing. WCW was the perfect spot for Scott Steiner because nobody would ever check him. No. If they tried to, he would beat them up backstage, yeah. like, yeah. legitimately. Yeah. Like, Nash and DDP would talk about having to run away from him and stuff. And so, like, you could get away, you could get away with that in WCW when you come out there and you're supposed to, you're in a feud with one guy, and instead you just decide to run down Ric Flair and t- tell everybody that you're banging everybody's wives in the back. 
Like you can get away with that there. Can't do that in WWE. You can't do that in WWE. No, especially when they when they say you're a face. You can't do that. <laughs> right, exactly. I'll, I'll never forget, dude. There's that one moment I think like on Raw or something when uh, Scott Steiner was. I think he was in a mini program with Jamie Noble and his girl. I think her name was Nadia. Yeah, 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 yeah. Nidia, Nadia, something like that. And like as she was walking away, he he like smacks her butt, right? Which should just be like a, a tap, right? I swear he tried to put his fingers in her butthole or something because he goes, whack, and he like digs. Ew. And it just looked, Ew. <laughs> looked like, dude. You. So, I don't know, like a, like a loose cannon. You, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was never going to work. And no. They put him in there with like Triple H. Like his biggest feud was a Triple H. Yeah, they had a match at Royal Rumble uh, 2003. Right, exactly. Which was trash. Which was garbage. And so it's like, you know, Triple H, the company guy, it's like, okay, well, if you can't, if you can't work with Triple H, who will do anything to get a guy over, oddly enough. Well, if he's bringing in a guy yeah, to yeah, try yeah. to make money with him, Triple yeah, yeah. H with Scott Steiner, he probably would have tried to do whatever he could. You know, in a million other situations, it was different with Triple H. But you know that Triple H is going to be the professional there. And, uh, yeah, no, it just didn't It didn't work. It was a bunch of garbage matches. And then Steiner, like, afterwards, didn't he get, like, didn't he have his picture up at, like, Mania in the security office uh, or something? Because he threatened to kill Hogan. <laughs> right, yeah. That was 31, I think. I think that was the one we went to. Yeah. Yeah. For the Hall of Fame ceremony, they had his pictures up in the arena. Yeah, his last WWE match was part of the 2004 Royal Rumble. He lasted. Or to say he reportedly threatened to kill Hogan. I think Steiner's wife disputed that. Oh, okay, okay. I get the facts correct. I mean, it was the WWE believed it enough to put his picture up in the security office. So. He lasted six minutes in the 2004 Royal Rumble before being eliminated by Booker T. He suffered an injury. He was gone from the company uh, August 17th, yeah, 2004. So he less than two years. Yeah. So Scott Steiner, you know, it just, and then he went on, like I said, he went on impact. And he did great things there. You know, he called Samoa Joe a fat bastard, <laughs> which come on. It's funny. It's, it's funny. All right. Moving on. Number five, five, Alberto Del Rio. So he qualifies twice. Uh, dun, dun, dun. He was uh, brought dun, back dun, dun. to WWE, uh, October 25th, 2015. When he answered John Cena's U.S. Open Challenge, mm -hmm. defeated John Cena for that belt because John Cleanly. Cena had to go. Yeah, a really uninspired match. Um, cause I guess John Cena had to go shoot a movie or something. Yeah, sure. Um, so Del Rio came back this time, uh, teaming with Zeb Coulter. I don't know why he. They didn't really explain why they were aligned. They never because Zeb Coulter is doing like racist guy angle. Right oh now. yeah, with uh, 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 Jack Swagger. Uh, yeah, yeah. It was like We the People stuff, and it wasn't like anti-immigrant or something like that what was it again it wasn't good it was something weird it was a whole lot of bad it was a lot of bad it was weird and but and then they never explained they never explained why zeb Coulter would be with alberto del they tried to talk about they tried to write their way out of it and talk about what was it again like mex america or something mm -hmm. like that mm -hmm. like they wanted the countries to combine something like that something weird it never made sense no it didn't make any sense and coulter was in that like little zoomer car yeah, and his, his lark. scooter yeah, the lark um in but, any event yeah uh, less than a year later um you know around the time of the the brand extension draft there was talk that because uh, uh, Del Rio and Paige yeah. were in a relationship, yeah. and there was talk that they were put on different brands because the company was trying to split them up. Yeah, because they didn't like Del Rio's influence on Paige. Right. Um, then on August eighteenth of twenty sixteen, about a month after the draft, um, uh, Del Rio was suspended for thirty days for spending the wellness policy, and then uh, about a couple weeks later, he opted out of his WWE contract. Mm -hmm. 
um, saying that he, you know, he was told that he would get these opportunities. wasn't getting. He was just unhappy. Yeah. Um, and then uh, September 9th, um, the uh, WB officially announced that they had released him. Yeah. Uh, March 2nd of 2017, Del Rio shows up on Impact. Dun, dun, dun. And so during all that. Oh, yeah, he was. He was on Periscope. Drunkenly. Drunken, drunkenly. Drunkenly, sorry. Not running drunkenly. down Triple H. Yeah. And among other things. Yeah. Just behaving badly. He got engaged to, or Paige proposed to him at a show in Puerto Rico. Bad idea. Um, um, yeah. And, and then they, it was the whole like us against the world type thing. There was vibe they were trying to give off because yeah. she had been suspended. Or yeah. Yeah. She had been suspended. Twice. But she'd also had like a neck problem and there was yeah, all yeah, sorts yeah. of back and forth. Yeah, yeah. So it was just a big mess. And then he shows up on Impact, and then you could tell things were going to go well because uh, on his debut, they got his name on his on his uh, Titantron wrong. Yeah. So they had to redo it, and there was yeah. no pop when he came out. Yeah, it was Alberto Del Patron, not Alberto El Patron. And instead of trying to, like, splice the two or just run with the – get whatever has the best crowd reaction, which the original one did. I know. And then when he had to come back again, they were like, we already saw this. I know. And so nobody's reacting. Again? It was weird, but they pushed him to the moon. I know. For some weird reason, like this guy who have, has a history of being a little bit in, unstable. Yeah. At least in on Periscope. Yeah. Um, you know, they they put the uh, the Impact Wrestling, the TNA title on him. And then uh, he had, so he won the Unified Global Force Wrestling World Heavyweight Championship because back then it was supposed to be Global Force Wrestling. <laughs> he fought low key at Destination Are X. Are you supposed to? Oh, yeah, that's right. He was supposed so they stripped to. the title because of that airport incident between him and Paige, and he was suspended uh, indefinitely. Yeah. He eventually came back, but then he no-showed uh, a, a, a Lucha Underground uh, Impact uh, joint show WrestleMania weekend, mm -hmm. and then they fired him. But we had seen him a matter of weeks, something like a couple weeks before that yeah. at a, a live event out in Newark. Yeah. Um, and he was engaging, charismatic, was awesome. passionate, but on a fun match against Moose, dropped a great promo afterwards. Mm, he said, I'm going to die in his ring in impact. And then, but he didn't. He, no, he, he got, he just no showed and, got, and then got fired. <laughs> oh, Alberto. Number four. Four. Vince Russo. So apparently, uh, Russo joined the WWF creative team back in '96, and apparently, shortly thereafter, um, WCW was in the midst of, of of just pummeling WWF in the ratings. Oh, no longer are we gonna be cartoon characters yeah. or larger. Blah, blah, blah. And then uh, Vince said to Russo, "Hey, you know, make this edgier." Yeah. And so that's what he did. He yeah. developed a, a thing, a style of writing called Crash TV. Yeah, and then by early 97, he was promoted to head writer of WWF. And to his credit, like he came seemingly... came with a lot of interesting stuff. TV was pretty cool. Like, Attitude Era TV was pretty cool when he was mm -hmm. there doing stuff, you mm -hmm. know? Like, we had the... I don't know. I mean, I don't really know what he was act, what he actually did. Yeah. But if he was head writer during some of the best days of WWF TV... Some of the more interesting stuff. And you have to give him credit for coming up with yeah, some of the, at least some of those credit. ideas. I yeah, wonder if it's a situation sure. though where where he can come up with all these ideas, but then you have Vince there to to check him. Yeah. If he's going too far, probably. You know, we. You, you, I'll, I'll always go back to Donnie Darko. Mm -hmm. The original oh, yeah. cut of the movie is really good. Yeah. It's interesting. It's I don't know. It's not the word. It's intriguing. Mm -hmm. It's open. It's open to interpretation mm -hmm, and discussion. Sure. Yeah. And then you see the director's cut, and like. 
any of the ambiguity is pretty much stripped from the movie. Yeah, sometimes like having like you know, my only uh, sort of uh, analogous, my only analogy to it would be like comic books. You should probably have an editor. Yeah, you know, have have another set of eyes on it. Yes, and sometimes studio notes aren't all that bad. Yeah, as evidence, like you said, with Donnie Darko, with Vince Russo, it seemed to be the same thing. Like left to his own devices, it's it's too much. It's a mess. It's, it's too much. A mess. What if you know if you have somebody there like Vince McMahon to say, oh, this works, and oh, this is crap. Then you know you you might do pretty well, and I think that's what it was. I think you're yeah, right yeah. about that. Uh, so, anyways, um, September '99, uh, Vince Russo and Ed Ferreira left WWF to go mm. to WCW, um, and Russo said that it was just they were, just working there was too much. They had SmackDown coming on, increased yeah. workload, didn't get to see his family. Yeah, and so probably more money, lighter schedule over in WCW. Yeah, that's usually why people went to WCW. Yeah, pretty much guaranteed contracts, more, more less money, work. lighter schedule, <laughs> more money, less work. Um, and then uh, apparently leading up to Sold Out 2000. Um, both Bret Hart, who was the world champ, mm. and Double J, Jeff Jarrett, and Heat Great, uh, the U.S. champ, were both hurt. Yeah. And so I guess Vince Russo had to shuffle plans. This is, you know, when there was talk about Tank Abbott being champion for like a day and stuff yeah. like that. Well, apparently during all this, he was asked to relinquish his role as lead booker and become part of a committee of bookers. He said, no, thank you, left. Mm. Uh, Kevin Sullivan took his place. <laughs> Three months later, Vince was back. Um and was partnering with Eric Bischoff, and that's when they kind of did the new blood thing, and they mm. kind of reshuffled the deck and tried to. And there were some interesting things there. There was some. They had Billy Kidman win over Hulk Hogan mm-hmm. at one point. That mm-hmm. was cool. Mm-hmm. Booker T was always treated really well yeah. under everybody's. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Um, but then uh, October two thousand, he was bought out by Time Time Warner. Yeah. Wow. I wonder how much his contract was for WCW. Probably a lot. Yeah, it was probably. more or less than Sandman made in WCW. Probably more. You think so? Yeah, yeah. I think so. I think probably, probably a lot right. more. Probably. So he lasted just barely over a year. Mm-hmm. What yeah. a tumultuous year. And he claims, like, he claims up and down. I, I heard him on some podcast a while ago that, like, if you look at the actual numbers, like, during the weeks that he was running it, they were going up. Uh, a lot of people seem to disagree with that. Mm-hmm. I, I would probably... I agree with the people who disagree with yeah, him. Yeah, me too. <laughs> because he says a lot of batshit stuff these days. Uh, he left Twitter, incidentally. Uh, he's not on Twitter anymore. It's probably better for Twitter. Yeah. Anyways, moving on. Number three. Three. The Ultimate Warrior. Look at him. He's in the wall. <laughs> Look at him. What the hell? <laughs> this is a two-way mirror. <laughs> this is a two-way mirror, man. So, essentially, essentially, he was brought back to WCW so Hulk Hogan can get a win over Ultimate Warrior since he lost to him at WrestleMania six. Yeah, pretty much. That's the extent of it. Pretty much. I remember being pretty interested in this, though. It was like, ooh, they're going to bring Warrior No, you look back in hindsight, it's all awful. Oh, you look back at it now, it's terrible. I remember at the time thinking, man, this is going to be cool. I don't know why I ever thought that. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I was a mark, I guess. Yeah. It was all new to us. We're relatively. I know exactly it was. You know, like in my case, I don't really watch wrestling in about, I don't know, five, six years. So. Right. Anyways, he came back in 1998, like you said, to, for, so Hogan could beat him. Um, he formed a stable opposing Hulk Hogan's Hold on. New World Order. Is it really a stable if there's only two members? Wasn't. It was just him and the Disciple, right? Horace Hogan wasn't one of them? I didn't think so. Or do they like. Maybe he just killed Horace Hogan. Horace Hogan was involved, kind of. Didn't Hogan? Oh, Hogan beat him up beat to show up Horace Hogan. Yeah, yeah, to show what he yeah. would do to his family member. Yeah, they tried to do like a, a supernatural aspect with Ultimate Warrior. Like Didn't he work. would appear, smoke would Trap appear, doors and stuff like that. And then that. he would show up in the wall. 
<laughs> that truly is magical, Steve. Yeah. Was he involved with the Hogan's head coming out of his no, box? No, I don't think so. That wasn't him? No. No. Oh. Anyways, uh, did Hogan get his win back? Yeah, he won at Halloween Havoc 98 in a garbage match. <laughs> Terrible. 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 Fire was involved. Because it was literally, it was two guys. I mean, didn't we do a going in review on this? No, but we did talk about another count out where it looked like two guys had never wrestled before, or at least definitely not against each other. It, no, no, no. I think what it was was two guys who were trying to wrestle different matches. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, neither guy wanted to do what the other guy... And when you see this happen, like, in real time, mm-hmm. neither guy... This wasn't like a practice session. Mm-mm. Neither guy wanted to do what the other guy wanted to do. They were both going into business for themselves. <laughs> you, had, you had a situation where both guys were going into business for themselves. Like, why wouldn't Warrior understand, hey, we're going to pay you a ton of money? Okay, evaluate what you, you just said. How many times could you ask that about the warrior? I know. Why did the Why warrior don't you do this? Understand. Understand this. You're doing a job. Come in here, get paid. It's all fantasy and just do it. But then you watch the dudes like little weird like homophobic ramblings on YouTube and it's like, "Oh, that's why cuz he's batshit crazy." What a that's not surprising. And now he has an award named after him. So whatever. You move on to number two. Number two. Two. Hulk Hogan. Oh, look at him right there. Things like, dude, you got to get into shape, Hogan. Anyway, so we talked about Hulk Hogan in the other list. Yeah, yeah. We kind of focus on the positive, yeah. I guess, aspects that he brought to. We tried uh, to. Yeah, tried to the best we could to WCW when he signed there. Now we're not going to do that. We're going to talk about all the other stuff. So uh, he liked the politic a lot. Mm-hmm. So there was a story they were telling where Sting was the primary protagonist taking on the NWO. There's one outcome to that story. Sting wins. <laughs> However, right. Hulk Hogan tried to politic his way into that not being the outcome. Instead, Hogan would have won. Yeah. Even going so far as to tell former NWO ref Nick Patrick, don't do a fast count. So Nick Patrick didn't do a fast count. It's so when Bret Hart, Starcade yeah, Bret Hart, 97, yeah, came out yeah. to say, hey, that was a fast count. It was confusing because there was no fast wasn't count. It was actually a fast count. It's so funny watching that back and being like, wait a second, yeah, I thought there was supposed to be a fast count there. There's no fast count. That's a normal count. Yeah. Um, that's just kind of emblematic of all of the crap Hogan would do backstage in WCW, just keep younger talent down, always trying to put himself over a bo- to the detriment of pretty much everybody else. Yeah, if you look at, if you look at all the people that Hogan had the opportunity to probably even make more money off of. Yeah, that's what I don't get is elevating. I know, if he elevated more people, that all those all could have been money programs. And one time he did it with Goldberg. Yeah. And it worked. Yeah, and, and it totally worked, yeah. Until Nash beat him with a stun gun. Stun gun, yeah. Or um, cattle prod. Was it a cattle prod? It was a cattle prod, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, no, he, you know, the, and, and funny, funny enough, like over on the other list, our number one, best free agent signing Steve Austin he was a casualty of Hulk Hogan Hulk Hogan said I don't want to do a thing with Steve Austin he's not at my level and so Austin was and then Austin got fired um so uh yeah all the opportunity in the world to build up to help build WCW into something major a long-term thing and instead he just sort of ended up being a big part of it burning to the ground essentially mm-hmm. so yeah mm-hmm. Hulk Hogan number two Oh, oh, yeah. And then, Let's talk about yeah, TNA. TNA. Yeah, that's sort of the big thing. So in October 27th uh, of 2009, it was announced that Hogan had signed a contract to join TNA on a full-time basis. Uh, they did a big press conferencing at Madison Square Garden. 
Uh, it was featured uh, on the October 29th episode of Impact. On December 5th... Uh, he was on The Ultimate Fighter. Yeah. Because it was all on Spike. Oh, yeah. He's going to make CNA debut Jan- uh, January 4th, 2010. In a special three-hour oh. Monday night episode of Impact. They're trying compete. to kick off new Monday Night War, huh? Yeah. Yeah, that didn't work. Yeah, it fizzled. It's funny listening to Booker T talk about it because he was like, man, everybody knew that wasn't going to work. That was a terrible idea. Um, you found these uh, these quotes from AJ Styles. Yeah, so AJ Styles was uh, on uh, the two, I want to say it was a two-man power trip uh, podcast um, back in 20. This is before he came to WWE. And uh, he talked about Hogan coming to TNA. And this is what he had to say. He said, first of all, I just tried to stay positive. Pretty much anything Hulk Hogan touched, at least at the beginning, turned to gold. But it didn't, obviously, because I don't think he knew the roster that was in front of him. And that was the problem. The names, the people who were the brand names of TNA, that they had no idea who they were. Obviously, we're probably talking about AJ Styles, Chris Daniels, Samoa Samoa Joe, Joe. Um, Bobby Roode, probably. He said, if they didn't know who they were, they just did whatever they wanted with it. This next part is terrible. They wanted me to dye my hair blonde and be Little Rick. And just because they didn't know me, instead of being Ric Flair, I needed to be AJ Styles with Ric Flair. Being with Ric, I'll hopefully get the rub from Ric. There is no doubt about that. And Fortune, which is like the next version of the Four Horsemen, could have been great, but they broke up Fortune a little bit too early and we were really getting some steam and they broke us up and nothing came about it. It really feels like um, Hogan and Bischoff came in and it just became the Hogan and Bischoff show. And granted, like, you know, they did use their time to build up guys like Bully Ray, the Aces and Eights uh, storyline, stuff like that. But then, you know, you still got matches with Hogan and Sting, Hogan and Flair. They were leading their own factions. Like, granted, they they consisted of young guys, but still you got the feeling that they were the ones in charge. Well, also you get the feeling that Hogan was using (coughs) all that as a vehicle for himself. Yeah. As opposed to using his name and influence to get other people over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, just a big bummer. Um, and because w, uh, TNA at the time was pretty hot. Like, mm-hmm. you know, having all those names that now are big-time big, big time players in WWE, um, you know, it's just it's an absolute... I mean, could you imagine if TNA... If that never happened and TNA played their cards right? And I know that's a huge if. That's, that's a massive a if. Massive if. But given the talent they had... If they had somebody else running the show, like not Dixie Carter running the show, imagine if they, with their production value and the names they had, if they were the ones to establish a relationship with New Japan as mm-hmm. they were coming up at the time, like what kind of like amazing expansion could they have had in the U.S. with that already in I place? I know, I know. I mean, you know, it's it's a massive if, and oh, it's, yeah. it's a lot of fantasy booking and alternate universe stuff. But, I mean, given all that talent there, the money that the company had, the production value, the TV deal they had, um, I don't know. It just kind of feels that there could have been a true, you know, alternate to the WWE yeah, 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 yeah. high production value. A lot of great names there. Number one, one. Bret Hart. Look at him there in WCW world title. He had a tag title maybe. And look at how happy he looks right there. He doesn't look happy at all. No, not at all. Um, it's, it's a bummer. Bret Hart's time in WCW. Yeah. Um, of course, he you know signed with WCW before the Montreal Screwjob, but that incident seemed to really break him. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. Tremendously, and then it you know that all coincided with uh, WCW kind of 
in the early stages of their own downward spiral. Mm-hmm. And so you got a guy showing up in a company that's 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 you know like not run terribly well, who's dealing with his own issues. Yeah, um, and it's just not a good pairing to go to a place with structure and vision. And I mean, I I have no idea if this was ever a thing for him, but there were reports or rumors or whatever. And maybe he said this himself that he didn't like he didn't like the direction of the Attitude Era. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a bummer to be a guy who everything is passing them by mm-hmm. and that's where the ship is headed and mm-hmm. you want to go this way. Mm-hmm. And so he goes to WCW and it's like, yeah, less work, more pay and guaranteed pay and probably a shot at, you know, being still in the main event scene. But you go there and it's just it's just a madhouse. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just crazy. It's just a bunch of crap. Mm-hmm. And uh, that that's an absolute bummer. And he's poorly utilized in the very beginning. Oh, from the very beginning. They should have him on the Nitro after that show in Montreal. Yeah, they should have had the day after. And he couldn't wrestle, but I think he could still appear on TV and talk. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. that's. I know JBL asked Eric Bischoff about that on his Legends interview. And he was like, yeah, I probably should have done that. Yeah, you, of course you should have done yeah, that's that. that's the most obvious thing to do. That's the most obvious thing to do. Holy crap, did you see this thing? Did you see what just happened on Montreal We're in the wrestling Screwdrop? business. We need to capitalize on this right now. Right. Yeah. Shove them out there. Just give them an open mic. Yeah. Brett, say whatever you want. We're on a seven-second delay, so if you want to curse, curse. Yeah, we can beep it. We can beep it. It's good. It's all good. Say whatever you want to say. Mm-hmm. And then at the very end, challenge for the world title. Mm-hmm. Say, I, you know, I, I had something that I prized greatly taken away from me. Now I want to come here, and I want to get it. Yeah, exactly. yeah, that's all you got to say. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to show you guys what you. What and you then he did. got involved in that shit show main event at Starcade '97, yeah. where he's supposed to say no, Nick Patrick, fast count when there was no fast count. No, there was no fast count. And yeah, he had some. You know, he won some belts. He has some championship reigns. Yeah, no, he did. Yeah, I mean, it's Bret Hart, so you know, just by process of elimination, he's going to be one of the more successful guys there. Yeah, and he had some good matches. The, his match against Chris Benoit with the Owen Tribute Show, mm-hmm. which again, that happened while he was at WCW, so that's got to be horrifying. Mm-hmm. Um. So he had some good matches. He had some. He had some good stuff, but obviously it wasn't nearly what it was in WWF for him. No, in a matter of a couple of years, he got kicked in the head by Goldberg and suffered a concussion and had to retire. Mm-hmm. Yeah, total bummer. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, yeah, and and on conversely, you know, one of the reasons why this could be considered one of the worst free agent signings ever is because on the t- on the you know on the opposite side of the of the the train tracks, if you will, you had WWF. They benefited from it all. Because they got the Mr. McMahon character from the Montreal Screwjob. And that, of course, launched everything. You had one of the top faces um, out of the way also. One of the top names out of the way to let Austin also yep. uh, go ahead. Yep. So, uh, so yeah. Anyways, those are the worst free agent signings in the history of pro wrestling. Let us know what you guys think in the comments. And, of course, go to friendomarket.com. Check out our wares and uh, buy some stuff. Yes, please. Until next time, we'll talk to you guys later. Bye. Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. 
inside to outside, repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that.